You're listening to the PMO Strategies Podcast, where PMO leaders become impact drivers. This is episode 66. Hey there, Impact Drivers. Welcome back to the PMO Strategies Podcast. I am your host, Laura Bernard, and today we are going to be talking about tomorrow's PMO, what that looks like and how you can prepare your PMO to thrive. And I'm super excited to share with you this fabulous, fabulous PMO, or should I say SRO leader, Jenny Fowler. Jenny is the Senior Director of the Strategy Realization Office, formerly an EPMO, and Vendor Management with American Credit Acceptance. She brings nearly 25 years of experience in the IT and enterprise project management sectors. Verticals include financial sector, telecom, consulting firms, manufacturing, and medical. Jenny has started and matured seven PMO or EPMOs in her career in roles such as head of IT PMO, head of EPMO, and yes, even CIO. Along with her master's degree, Jenny has a ton of certifications and formal training that include the PMP, the ACP, CSM, CSPO, MPM, Project Plus, Certified Disc Coach, and so much more. As a returning PMO Impact Summit speaker, she has partnered with organizations such as Gartner, local PMI chapters, women in technology groups, and executive CIO forum and IT summit. Her Myers-Briggs personality is ENFJ, the mentor. Jenny is using her experience and personality, which is fabulous, to move to the next phase of our craft, the strategy realization office. Jenny is a returning speaker for the PMO Impact Summit, and during the summit, she's going to be sharing the differences in running a strategy realization office from a standard, typical PMO. And we have recorded her session, and I've got to tell you, it is phenomenal, so you do not want to miss it. If you have not signed up for the PMO Impact Summit, what are you waiting for? It is 100% free to participate, and we've already started the conversation, and we're doing a bunch of freebies and games and other additional content in our mobile app. So make sure you download the Impact Driver Network mobile app and join us for the conversation. Join us for all of our fun events leading up to the big summit, and I will see you there. This episode is sponsored by Cora Systems. Cora Systems is a worldwide leader in providing enterprise PPM solutions to global organizations and government agencies, such as Honeywell, Alanco, PwC, City of London, and the UK's National Health Service. Cora is a proven foundation for the delivery of projects, digital transformation, and strategic objectives. Fully digitizing program and project life cycles, providing total transparency, empowering decision-making, and streamlining governance and reporting. Every day, across more than 50 countries, over 20 billion worth of projects are managed on the Cora platform. Learn more at pmoimpactsummit.com forward slash Cora Systems. That's pmoimpactsummit.com forward slash Cora Systems. Okay, Jenny, with all that said, thank you so much for being here. Welcome to our PMO Strategies podcast. Thank you, Laura. I'm glad to be here. So we're talking about tomorrow's PMO. And 
I've gotten, of course, a sneak peek at your strategy realization office concept and all of the cool work that you've been doing in your organization over the last many years. And we thought that it would be helpful for folks to kind of have that future looking perspective on what's to come with PMOs. And part of that is the strategy realization office, but there's so much more we're going to dive into here today. And I'm super, super excited. So we're going to be talking about what tomorrow's PMO actually looks like and how all of our impact drivers listening can prepare for that future look of PMOs. And to do that, I think first we probably need to start with explaining what we mean when we say tomorrow's PMO. Can you talk to me a little bit about that? Sure, I can. That's a great question, Laura. And I think tomorrow's PMO, depending on where organizations are with their project management office and project management craft, that answer might be a little bit different for companies. But I think if I have to give a broad brush answer of what that means, um, I want to talk about what it meant yesterday, because we're talking about yesterday's PMO versus tomorrow's PMO. And so yesterday's PMO, I like to call that the paperwork management office, right? That's the yesterday PMO. We're very proud of our process, of our methodology, of our governance, the thickness of it, and just look how great this is and look at all the value that I bring. I can show you in this huge twilight size book, right? And I think we're all very proud of that. I'm not saying that that's wrong, but I'm just saying that in yesterday's project management office, aka paperwork management office, we're really good at task management, at coordination, and those things in PMOs are good. but that's not what's going to drive us to being great nor being relevant to tomorrow's PMO. So what is tomorrow's PMO? I think that that is more about aligning our purpose of a PMO to the organizational strategy. And you can't drive strategy and you can't drive purpose without people. So I think our pivot is to help organizations to achieve that strategy. That's what tomorrow's purpose look like. To your point in the PMO Impact Summit, you know, one of my topics is strategy realization office. I think that's the industry term for the next level of a PMO which is Strategy Realization Office. And I think, and then in truly like Buzz Lightyear after Strategy Realization Office, I think that next term is probably going to be more of an Enterprise Innovation Center. And I don't think we're there yet, but I do think that we are ready with our digital divide, with our digital age, we are able to be at the Strategy Realization Office level. So at the end of the day, I think what our superpower is as PMO leaders is influence. Wow. Oh, there's so much goodness in all of that. So I want to break that down a little bit because there's something you said there that, well, first of all, I heard you in our recording of your summit session mentioned the paperwork management office. And I was just rolling. I was laughing so hard because (laughs) it's so true. And that my friends, all of you impact drivers listening is exactly the problem that many of you are having. Now I'm not saying, you know, especially if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, I'm not saying that you personally and your PMO have been doing that. If you really feel like pushing a lot of paper, doing a lot of checklists, going through a lot of process, and it's not super clear on the impact that you're making, then maybe this does apply to you. But for many of you, it has nothing to do with what you've done personally. It has to do with what came before you or what those people's experiences were in other organizations. So your stakeholders that are pushing back on the PMO or the agilists in your organization that are saying, we don't need a PMO. All of that comes from the history of people feeling like the PMO is an administrative overhead function that is paper pushers. So 
we're fighting that battle. And I think the paperwork management office is a perfect way to kind of encapsulate the battle that many of us are fighting and why sometimes those numbers that we see for failure statistics and things like that are not so pretty. So I think that that's super, super important. And there's another thing before we dive into some of those maybe not as positive numbers that many of us have seen out there in the reports and all of the research into PMO success and failures. Another thing you said that I want to kind of double down on is something that I'm saying to my students all the time, which is what got you here won't get you there. Meaning many of us grew up with our PMP certifications or other project management certifications or training. And if you look at the PMP, and I am not bashing the PMP, I've had my PMP since 2004. I think that the PMBOK, especially the next version that's coming out next year, which Jesse Fuel and I talked about earlier this year on the podcast, that next version is really going to make a big shift, a big pivot more towards what we're looking for with what project management can be in the future of project management. And at the same time, if you were trained and raised in the traditional structure of project management and the PMBOK, there is a lot about inputs, outputs, tools, and techniques. There ain't a whole lot of conversation about outcomes. And that is really what the PMO is there to drive, is accelerating, getting to that return on investment, that big impact and driving outcomes, not just creating outputs. So we really do have to shift our perspective a bit in how we think about the role in what we do and kind of get rid of that bad rap that many, many PMOs have. What we're talking about today and what Jenny is so brilliantly going to cover with us is how you make that shift. But Jenny, before we can talk about some things that we can do differently and where we're going with PMOs and the PMOs of tomorrow, let's talk about where we are now. And we see a lot of not so positive numbers from different organizations and they talk about the PMO failure rates and the typical lifespan of a PMO being from two to four years. In fact, I know some colleagues out in the industry that have really perfected the art of shutting PMOs down. (laughs) because they have to do it so often. So your PMO has been in place for about seven years now. And so you've got a really strong PMO that's delivering tons of value in your organization. So we know it can be done. My students in the Impact Engine PMO program are in a similar position. So if that's the case, why do you think that so many other PMOs are failing? That's a great question. Thank you, Laura. There's so much to unpack there about why do I think PMOs fail. I do not have my head in a vacuum. And what I mean by that is I do work in the corporate world in a financial institution. But what I try to do is I spend a lot of time looking at the industry. I do go to live and in-person, pre-COVID, of course, live and in-person to a lot of these Gartner PPM conferences. And I do a a good bit of speaking events and things of that nature because I'm very thirsty to speak to other PMO leaders. I spend a good bit of time speaking to several hundred PMO leaders every year to make sure that, hey, you know what? Are we staying relevant? What did you learn? What did I learn? So when I answer this question about why do I think other PMOs fail, I think I have a good gauge on it, even though I'm not in the consulting world like some other folks are. Mm-hmm. But I think that it is some of those statistics are awful, right, as yeah. far as the, the PMOs failing. And I think yeah. it comes down to whether it's insufficient authority that they are looked at as administrative right? Or task management. 
or maybe it is that their scope of their PMO is unclear. I think a lot of PMOs, to your point about uh, not to a fault of their own, but you know they do get wrapped up in their certifications and the best practice process, right? And the thing is, is suggested best practice. That does not mean that it's going to fit for your company. I literally have some PMO leaders sometimes that say, hey, can you email me some templates or can you email me? And, and I just, I never do that because right. I promise you my templates are not going to work for you. They work for my company. Right. right. They probably are not going to work for yours. So that tells me that maybe that the PMO is a little bit more self-serving rather than truly supporting and maybe over bureaucratic around that process and that governance. And that's very different than the proposition that I have about the next phase of a project management office, which is strategy realization office of really listening to the business. And you use the word outcomes. And I'll take that even a step further in that listening to that benefit realization. Mm-hmm. What, how are we going to realize the benefits of what we're, the company is truly trying to get to? You know, Gartner said in 2017 at their PPM conference that by 2020, and we're here now, we're, we're here in 2020, that a lot of companies would find other ways to do task management and in turn dissolve PMOs. And I know you see it and we see it, yeah. right? And so PMO leaders, I encourage you, what are you going to do with that information? So what I did with it is I hit the ground really hard to make sure that all my staff had paths to where they can help the organization with strategy and not just tasks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love it. Yeah. And I think that that makes a huge difference, a great start to getting them to think a little bit differently about their PMO and making sure that all of you that are worried that your PMO is going to end up on the chopping block or isn't going to get its round of funding next year and things like that, especially with this year being quite the chaotic mess <laughs> that it's been. These are really important things for you to be thinking about is how you can be showing value, how you can help your organization achieve the benefits. And I'll go even a step further on the benefits realization. Those benefits and how closely you meet the benefits and how much value they drive needs to be worth it, right? We've got to have that return on investment. That's right. And so I love how Jenny, you and I both think very similarly about this path. So you've got to achieve outcomes, not just outputs. And sometimes we have to put more emphasis on our outcomes than just the steps in our process and the deliverables we create. And they better achieve the benefits that we're expecting and achieving those benefits better be worth it, right? So we've got to make sure that we're actually achieving more value than it costs for us to do it in the first place. We've got to have that ROI. And, you know, Jenny, (laughs) you and I have been in the DC area some, right? And so Mm -hmm. there's a lot of government organizations there. And I got to tell you, when I was speaking a lot in the DC area, keynoting all the my conferences and such, I would get these looks on the faces of a lot of the government organization staff that would say, well, we don't measure ROI. We work for the government. And I would just <laughs> cringe every time. I'm like, oh my gosh, there's my tax dollars at work. You know, because of course you do. And if you're not, that doesn't mean your business leaders aren't having that conversation. And that's, that's right. Big gaps that I see between many project leaders and PMO leaders and the business leaders that they believe they should become, believe that they should be treated as, they believe that they should have their seat at the table. And, you know, that's why I call my community impact drivers, right? You're not project managers, you're not PMO leaders, you are impact drivers. Because we need to think differently about our role and the role we play in the organization. And 
if we want to and believe we've earned our seat at the table to be part of those strategy conversations, a part about driving the project delivery and helping to navigate the strategy of the organization, then we better start thinking like business leaders and talking like business leaders. And you better believe it. Every single one of those business leaders is thinking about return on investment because it's still an investment in time and energy and funding, even all of you nonprofits out there, even more so many free nonprofits out there, we need to be thinking about return, the worth it factor of the work that we do. So I think there's a lot of things coming and frankly already here. And Jenny, these are things that you get so clearly and have been applying in your SRO and things that I think no matter what kind of projects you're managing, I think it's important for PMO leaders and project leaders to understand that they do need to be tied to the strategy, which is why this concept of the SRO is so cool and so relevant to the way we want our PMO leaders thinking. So we've talked a little bit about how those numbers have come about, like that wrong emphasis and wrong focus on outputs over outcomes. And really, we need to shift that mindset. So can you tell me how PMO leaders can kind of avoid being that failure statistic and what guidance you have for them to kind of prepare for the future of PMOs and where we're headed with this concept of being more business-driven, purpose-driven, impact-driven, future-ready? Yeah, there's a lot of things going through my head right now. I really am I'm leaning toward that impact driver, and, and I do like that. I've used something similar, and I'll share that in just a second. But specifically to the question around how can we avoid the failure statistic as PMO leaders? And I think the simplistic answer is, as PMO leaders, what are you doing to look to tomorrow? Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times we spend so much time trying to prove what have we done and why are we doing what we have done and looking at the past and spending a lot of time on paperwork and that kind of thing. And honestly, who reads all that stuff? And ask people, do you actually use this stuff? I'm actually down to the point as an example to where if my email does not fit on a the screen of a cell phone, then it's too long. Mmm, I love that tip. I love yeah, it. It's too long. It's like a paragraph or a few yeah. bullets. That's and it. so, you know, are you managing by email? Because if you're, if you've got more than that to put in a message, then you probably need to pick up the phone and call somebody and talk to yeah. them, right? And we wonder why people say that communication is one of the biggest issues in their company. And it's because we're trying to send these huge emails. And I'll be honest, I get hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of emails a day. And my staff knows I can't read all those. It is yeah. physically impossible for me to actually be a leader and sit at my desk and just read emails all day long because yeah. that's not the value that I bring. So I just make sure that folks understand, you know, whatever you need to say to me, save it for an upcoming one-on-one. -on -one. Please don't send me a bunch of emails. Mm -hmm. So, but back to PMO leaders, the addressing the factors which lead to failure. You know, do you understand when we say these PMOs fail, do you understand why? Why do they fail? Find a couple of PMOs and find out truly why they fail. Do you understand those reasons? And if those were reasons for them to fail in their organization, could they be reasons for you to fail? Have you actually done a SWOT analysis on your PMO, a strengths, mm -hmm. weaknesses, opportunity, and threat? And did you spend a lot of time on that threat? Mm -hmm. A lot of time. Like, what would be reasons for your PMO to dissolve? Why would the company want to shut you down? Could it be because they view you as administrative overhead? Why do they view you as administrative overhead? Is because they don't view you as bringing value to their organization. And that's a hard conversation, not only to have with other people, but humbly, it's a hard conversation to have with yourself. Yeah. Because as a PMO leader, you're now talking about your own personal value. Right. And so that's hard. How much time are you do, spending on studying the factors of failure 
and then really looking at what are the factors that the company is looking at for business needs and business success. And if your PMO does not align with those factors for business success, then there's a gap. There's a gap there. And I think, so that's one category and there's many, but I think another category is around leadership skills. I genuinely find, as I said, with these hundreds of other PMO leaders that I speak with, and Laura, I don't know what your assessment is, but mine is, I don't see a lot of leading happening. I see a lot of coordination. Mm. I see some management, mm -hmm. but I really don't see leading. When's the last time a PMO leader had a CEO call them or a president call them or SVP of so-and-so and say, hey, I need to run something by you. I need for you to help me think on this topic. Mm -hmm. Do they call you and ask you to help them think or do they call you as fast food order taking? Can I please take your order? Right. Oh, I and love if, it. I love and it. If, <laughs> and if they aren't calling you and asking you to help them think, then where is your seat at the table? Right. And, and you have some accountability for that as a PMO leader. So what are you doing to help them to see you in that light? How are you exercising that muscle? And if you aren't exercising that muscle, then you need to figure out your workout plan, right? Mm -hmm. Of Okay, so what foods are you going to eat to be healthier? What, what exercises are you going to do to build that muscle? And then, you know, once that muscle gets built, then it's easier for you to slide into that seat at the table because they welcome you to sit there. Mm -hmm. Just find out if this is a strength for you or not. And so again, but a lot of that is deciding what type of PMO leader you want to be. When you said impact driver, I like your term. I use the term and I'm probably, uh, we may even mention this again here in the future, but I use the term, know your brand. Yes. Yes. And you know, what, what do you bring to the table? I, I can't bring everything to the table. I know I can't because I don't have the strengths for everything, but there are a few things that I know I'm an expert at. So mm -hmm. let me tell you, there's nobody else that can fit my seat better than me because I know the things that I'm an expert at. And I don't spend a lot of time trying to make myself an expert at everything because I don't want to be a jack of all trades. I want to have good work-life balance. I like the term impact driver, but I also use, you know, know your brand. And then, yeah. and then that helps you to be better for tomorrow. Mm -hmm. oh, I'm so glad you mentioned that. And I just... As you're talking, I'm thinking about there's so many other summit sessions that are covering pieces and parts of what you're talking about here, which is so great. So let me backtrack and then I'm going to come back to the Know Your Brand. One of the sessions that I just recorded is with Mark Price Perry, kind of one of the fathers of this PMO movement to be more business driven. He's a yeah. PMO evangelist and I just adore him. He talked about this journey, going back to kind of the mistakes, you just think you were saying was triggering it for me. He goes, he talks about the journey of the PMO and going from PMO leader comes in and instead of engaging their business leaders to really understand what the PMO mandate is or how they're going to solve business problems, they start doing the people process tools and training, like the typical, here's where you start. And that's what many of the books often say to do. And many uh -huh. of the training courses you'll take on PMOs will often tell you to do. And they're wrong, by the way. For all of you listening, that's not where you start, right? <laughs> and we know Amen. that, right? Yes, that, that is true. Because <laughs> now you've just shoved something, you know, you put a can of sardines in front of someone that doesn't even like sardines. <laughs> exactly. So that's, you're so great with the analogies. So then, you know, he goes through the journey of like, okay, so then that PMO, you know, in about six months, they've been heavily working on their people process tools and training. They go through and do all that. And six months, the boom, they show it to their business leaders. And sometimes it takes them even longer than that, right? They show it to their business leaders and their business leaders are just totally frustrated and unhappy because it's not what they wanted, not what they're looking for. And guess what? Nothing's actually gotten better. We've just created a lot more steps in process. We've shoved a whole bunch of templates in front of people. And I'll tell you, Jenny, I'm sure your experience has been the same. 
But have you ever had a business leader come to you and say, no, 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 hold on. Come back when you have five more templates for me to fill out. <laughs> no, I can't say that I have. <laughs> that ain't going to happen, right? Yeah. So, so then, you know, then he shows the next, and for those of you, all of you impact drivers listening and Jenny, you as well, this is going to be the Mark Perry, Mark Price Perry's summit session. So definitely check it out because it's really good. All of his stories and examples and failed case studies, right? So then he talks about, okay, the next time around. What do they focus on? And they kind of focus on a different aspect, but then they continue to fail because every time they go through these vicious cycles and the PMO leader changes, they bring somebody new in and they do this and then they bring another one in and they do this. And it shows the vicious cycle of failed PMOs because once again, they haven't asked the questions that matter most, which is how do we focus on the business and how do we focus on the outcomes we're trying to achieve and how do we help you solve your business problems, right? So clearly you're doing that with your organization, I think that's great guidance here. The other thing you said though about brand, I want to talk about that a minute too, because I could not agree more about knowing your brand and not just of yourself, but also of what your PMO stands for and what you want your PMO to be known for. In fact, in my Impact Engine PMO signature program, which helps people build and run through kind of an iterative and agile approach to implementing a PMO and phasing through your continued growth and evolution as the needs shift for the organization, we have a whole lesson dedicated to marketing and communications. Once your PMO is up and running, how are you setting the brand of your PMO? How are you talking about what the PMO does to serve the organization. And I think a lot of people don't realize the importance of knowing that and being able to talk about it. And you have some fantastic, I'm not, I don't want to steal it from the summit. I want people to go watch your summit session, but you talk about some really great ways to kind of have like an elevator pitch for what you talk about in front of your business leaders and how it's very, very, very business focused on what they want to hear. You don't shove a lot of PM speak at people. So I think all of those pieces help to really solidify not just what you're good at, but how you show up in the world and how you show up in your organization as a business leader. And just, again, puts you at that seat at the table as a peer to your business leaders in the organization, as opposed to an order taker. I love everything you're saying. And I'm just so grateful to be able to share a PMO practitioner perspective with this audience of somebody that's been successful doing this. So, okay. So with all that said... So Jenny, it's really clear from your perspective, how you talk about this stuff that you really know what you're talking about. And in 2019, you were invited to be a guest speaker for the Gartner PPM Summit on the topic of the Strategy Realization Office, which you've been running successfully for over seven years now. And to me, that seems like a very natural progression for a PMO that is maturing. So how does a PMO, and I don't want to go into like, all the details because you're going to cover this in the summit, but I just want to tease it a little bit and talk about how does a PMO go from being a PMO to an SRO? And is that something that all PMOs should be doing? I think the answer is twofold and I will keep it short. I think the answer is yes and no. Let me tell you what I mean by yes and no. There is no one size fits all answer for a PMO, right? And we all realize that, but all companies that want to go down this journey, they have to start somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. And then it takes time, underline and bold the word time, to mature a PMO. Then you have to put in the factor of their companies have different executive level support. Some you have to push upwards for them to support and then some they push down. So mm-hmm. it just depends on, on how much executive support you have. And we could probably do a whole session on that, right? On executive <laughs> support. But I do think, so the yes, I do think that the traditional PMO the one that has lots of governance, processes, paperwork, they do run the risk of dissolving more and more in the future. 
at least as we know it now. So I think it's up to us leaders to reinvent, keyword there, reinvent the PMO for our digital age. As for the SRO, whether your company winds up turning into an SRO or not, I can't say that that's where I say the yes or the no. But I do think, yes, I do believe that all PMO leaders have some action to take to reinvent and or mature their PMO for tomorrow. I think it's important. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And that's a really interesting way to think about it because, you know, it's funny. I was talking to my friend, Jesse Fuel, about the PMO and he's like, are you sure the book you want to write is actually about PMOs? Aren't they dying? Now he's Mr. Agile, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and in a way they are the paperwork management office is certainly dying, right? Yes. But I have seen many examples. All of my Impact Engine PMO students, I've seen you, my client CDW, I've seen many PMO leaders around the world that are super successful because they're embracing the things that we're talking about here. So I don't personally think the PMO is dying, but I think from a conceptual perspective, whether you call it an SRO or EPMO or PMO or any other name, it's really not about the name as much as it is about the impact that you're driving and the value you're delivering for the organization, how you're meeting those business needs. So I think that the SRO and that title actually may be super useful to PMO leaders that are trying to shift the brand of what their PMO does and help people really understand what they're all about. So I love that. So you talked a little bit about maturity of the PMO. How can a PMO leader best kind of do a self-assessment for their real maturity of their PMO? And why do you think that is important? I think it's very important. And and you use the word self-assessment there. And, and I would like to take that a little bit further. If any PMO leader can sit down with, there are several templates out there that will help them to try to get a gauge of, of where they think their maturity is. I, personally, I'm a fan of the Gartner maturity model, um, but there's others. Laura, I'm sure that you even offer the service of helping folks to right. assess their maturity. But right. the key word there is not self. You have to get your maturity model done by lots of folks in your organization, you know, because you need that 360 feedback of where you think you are versus the value that the business thinks that you bring. So like, for example, Gartner has a one to five model, um, five being rock star. I really don't think that there's such thing as a five PMO. And Gartner states that in the U.S. population that there's uh, only a small population that are actually at the four level. So a lot of PMOs are at that one to three level. And that's okay. But again, it's around that 360 feedback. So then that PMO leader can take that information, that data, those facts, keyword there is facts, and try to turn that into knowledge, right? And then what are you going to do about the, the data that you've got? Whether you're going to create a SWOT analysis or whether you're going to try to look at where you're strong and where you're weak. And then do you want to spend a lot of time on trying to make the weaknesses better or do you want to take time and capitalize on the strengths that, that the business says that you have yeah but you know you got to look at those gaps right because if your strength is administrative things <laughs> and the business doesn't need that then you got a problem then you do have to time spend some time building muscle you need that you know? alignment between yeah, you need that what alignment. they need and what you're good at and if you're not good at what they need then that's where that whole anxiety about being on the chopping block comes in. That's we know right. sometimes, right? We really know if we're not hitting the mark and we can tell by the way our business leaders are engaging with us. So I think that's right. it's super important. So, and I want to just emphasize what you said. You're a hundred percent right. You can't just self-assess, right? You've got to get that feedback. I do think it's important to do some self-reflection yeah. and really 
personal reflection of yourself and your leadership and your own competencies, as well as the PMO and what you, what your strengths and weaknesses are of the PMO of your staff. I do think some self-assessment is important, but you are hundred percent right. I couldn't agree more. It can't just be your own self-assessment because you're going to miss the mark. That's where I think a lot of PMO leaders struggle and why I have such a big emphasis on assessing the organization for impact opportunities up front and asking those questions and understanding the business needs, the pain points, the opportunities, where can we provide value and where you can aligning that with your strengths. And if you don't have strengths in that area, then you've got some work to do. So I think and that's Laura, really important. One additional thing that I'd like to add here, I've heard some PMO leaders think that this is a one-time event, or this is something that they do once a year. And, and I would like to challenge that mindset. This is not something you do one time or once a year. You get the information, whether it's the one time or the once a year, and then you follow back up frequently, right? right? right. Um, so it's a continuous maturity. It's not just a, okay, here's what you said three years ago. You're missing the mark. Right, right. Oh, that's so great. I'm glad you said that. I'm a huge believer in kind of that iterative approach to collecting feedback and having the conversation and checking in and really assessing the value that you're bringing to the table and checking, is this hitting the mark of what you said you needed and have your needs shifted? I mean, that's the whole thing that we miss. If we only do this once a year and I don't know, something like the COVID-19 pandemic happens, and you're not shifting because the needs are shifting around you. If you're not shifting, then that's going to be a super, super big problem for you. So I think that's fantastic. So Jenny, before we wrap up here, you have talked about this concept of your superpowers. And I wanted to touch on what last bits of advice you have as to maybe like the one thing that you can leave our impact drivers here with to take away to ensure that they are staying relevant as they look towards the future of PMOs and how they can lead their PMO into the future. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. The superpower that I mentioned um, earlier was influence. And, um, and I still believe truly that that is, for me personally, that's my superpower. And I have my Wonder Woman cape to prove it. So I'm um, very proud of my, my Wonder Woman cape. But it's an important superpower. But to ensure that we're staying relevant, the one thing that I could leave for other PMO leaders, you know, that's a, a hard answer because that answer is not going to be the same for every PMO leader. I'm not saying yeah. that if, if your superpower is not influence, then you have the wrong superpower. Absolutely not. But I do believe that the thing that I talked about earlier about on top of your superpower is uh, two things, right? If you don't know certifiable, certifiably, what your top strength is, please find a way to take the Gallup Strength Finder test. Mm. It is so great. It is a great, great tool. And it gives you a good bit of feedback around, you know, the types of people that have the strengths that you do. I just cannot encourage folks to do that type of thing, to use something like the Gallup Strength Finder and really, really take your strengths or your superpowers and focus on those. Because what I said earlier about, so that's number one. Number two, around the thing that PMO leaders can have to stay relevant in the future is, again, knowing your brand. And But knowing your brand while being humble. I ran into PMO leaders that they're an expert at something and they're going to make sure that you know it, right? And they're <laughs> going to be the smartest person at the table. Leadership is not about being the smartest person at the table because nobody wants to follow that leader, right? People want to follow me and I don't even really have to say much, right? Mm. 
Um, I think it's just a style of leadership. So you have to work on that. So that, and, and if humility is not your thing, you can work on it. The thing, the difference between IQ and EQ is arguably, you can't necessarily change your IQ anymore at the age we're at, right? Your IQ right. number, it just is what it is. But you can change your EQ. Yeah. That is something you do have control over. It takes work. It takes a lot of work. So knowing your brand, right? At the end of the day, Laura, we mentioned about, you know, whether you have the seat at the table or not. I don't know if it's so much about earning your seat at the table as much as it is knowing your brand and truly being an expert at your brand and what it is that you bring to the table. What are those few competencies, those few skills that you absolutely rock at? There's no arguing that is your seat at the table because it, because it is your seat. Nobody else can sit in it because you're the wow. only one that can fill it. What is that in your PMO, right? What do you rock at? And I think that's your seat at the table. So again, as far as the theme here about tomorrow and looking into tomorrow, I try to encourage that my staff in, in my strategy realization office, some of the speaker forums that I spend, you have to take time and invest in yourself, right? Mm -hmm. You have to take time for you. And that means on top of your brand and in looking into tomorrow, what are other PMO leaders doing? And some PMO leaders may say, you don't understand. You don't understand how busy I am. And you don't understand all the stuff that's going on in my PMO. And oh my gosh, we have hundreds and hundreds of projects and we have all these charters and all these business cases. And there's just so much going on and I don't have time. I have to pause for a minute and I would just look at you and I would say, shame on you. <laughs> you should care about yourself more than that. Right. Mm. This is your career. And if you don't own your career, this failing PMO scenario will own it for you. Mm -hmm. To do take the time to do like Laura's PMO impact summits. I don't have any more time than anybody else. My PMO is as busy as every other PMO on the planet. Right. 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 But I make the time and I make my staff make the time, right? They yeah. came to your sessions last year for the PMI yeah. Summit. We saw you live when you came to the PMI chapter meeting three, four years ago. I make time to develop people. So if you put time in developing other people, you put time in developing yourself, you make sure that you are spending that extra time on your business to understand what those business drivers are, right. understanding the gaps understanding where you are from a maturity standpoint. Yes, it's extra work, but let's be honest as PMO leaders, we didn't choose this career because we thought it would be easy. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, if, I want, if I want easy, I'm going to be the person that works at Walmart and highlights receipts as they go out the door. <laughs> you know, that's easy. I don't have that job, right? I, yeah. I chose to have a career instead of a job. So I just encourage yeah. you guys, know your brand, invest in yourself, Make sure you're aware of what's happening tomorrow. We don't have crystal balls, but you can figure out what's going on tomorrow. I do believe we can do that. So that's what I have for you. That's fantastic. And I could not agree more when it comes to your own self-care, self-development, and taking the time to learn and continue to grow. And I just wish that more PMO leaders did that. And that's why we're trying to find so many different ways to support the PMO leaders around the world that need it through this podcast, through the summit which is completely free to participate because I want to make sure that these great insights that people like you have can be shared. Your example of what's working so well, I want people to know that so that they're inspired that they can do the same. And it's totally doable. It totally is doable. And I love all these examples that you shared today. So Jenny, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate your time and sharing your insights on what's worked for you 
And for all of you impact drivers listening, make sure you look for Jenny's session in the PMO Impact Summit. You are going to love it if you want a real example with some tangible takeaways on how you can shift towards a more SRO-focused PMO. That's it for today, Impact Drivers. Thank you so much for being here. Now, don't forget, this episode was sponsored by Cora Systems. Cora's platform, Cora PPM, delivers global consistency, powerful insights, total control, and enterprise-wide visibility. Learn more at PMOImpactSummit.com forward slash Cora Systems. That's PMOImpactSummit.com forward slash Cora Systems. That's it for now, guys. Bye-bye.